Thank you, Jesus, that we may in this moment find comfort, even though we don't have answers, or we are searching, or we are content. We can find comfort. Something we all need every day. Pray that you will lead us and guide us. Amen. So, if you have a lot of people who are going to be able to Thank you. Good evening, everyone. My krag, Toets 2, 3, lekker. I was wondering where you went. Like you were sitting there next to Kirsten. This is a Great. Okay, great. Uh, good evening, guys. Um, we're in Easter, week four already. And Easter, just once again to recap, most of us know us, you know, we know Easter as a weekend, but actually it's quite a long season where we celebrate uh, what Jesus has done for us. Not only through a once-off meal, but actually through a whole season celebrating the reality of Jesus dying and being resurrected for us. And in this moment, uh, well, in this season, in this moment, we always sit and we reflect. So what we do at Third Place is we encourage everyone to have more meals, more kayas around with people, and just to enjoy life. Because sometimes, in the, just before winter, we get so, how can I say, wired up and speed up before we all hit a winter hibernation <laughs> uh, to get everything done, just to pile it up through the winter to do it again in spring. Uh, we remind everyone to come and chill, I guess now off, and uh, relax, uh, to be reminded that Christ died and rose for us, that our sin is forgiven, that we have received grace. And one thing which is quite an interesting conversation for me in this moment where we are living today uh, in Pretoria and most probably around the world, especially I think like the political, how can I say, uh, vibe in South Africa is quite tense. You know, you get different kinds of I'm going to say, uh, information about what is happening, who's saying what. And then the ridiculous thing about it all is we can't really trust that information. Um, and now we have to ask ourselves the reality, well, the question about the reality, what is the truth when it comes to our daily life? Because it feels, I don't know, maybe I'm talking from my own perspective, but you can just connect or just don't do anything. But it feels like we have been living a lie in a way. Miss, um, people have made promises and it never even happened. Not even the bad promises. <laughs> the promises that were made to like disgrace, be disgraceful towards others or so. Not even they were made or came to fulfillment. And it actually puts us in a place where we have to start searching deeper into ourselves about what is the reality about truth, which we need to find again. I think that is a, a great reality to be in because 
even though that we are all in a place and we know the, the power of your vote and everything like that is, but put all of that aside and then for a moment maybe ask yourself, what is the truth inside of me? What I actually believe in through this whole system. Maybe you believe that it's broken. Maybe you believe that there is hope. Maybe you believe that I have given up to believe. You have came to a point where you, in some way inside of yourself, made that situation. So I'll, before we read the text, I read a very interesting book about um, Andy Andrews. It's short, very short, like 50 pages. It takes you 45 minutes to go through the whole book because the last 15 pages are questions. It's quite boring, so you just close the Okay, just laugh. <laughs> the book is finished. But the, the title of the book is, maybe you've read it or heard about it, which is, How Does One Man Kill 11 Million People? Have you read this book before, maybe, or heard about it or not? It's fantastic. Now, most probably if you love history and world war history and so on, you will probably think and know who I'm talking about. We're talking about Hitler. And just to make a comment, as he's, he made in his own book, is he says, I know there was much more people that died, and, but how do you convince 11 million Jews to die? That's basically what happened to them. And he goes through this saying that, uh, like a short story in it, what basically happened is when the war started, they had all the Jews in their own camps where they lived out their own lives and they were barbed wired off. And they were actually in a free living space. Nothing happened to them. And then they realized that we've got to probably make a plan to kill these people quicker without them rising up. Because if you think, if, you, if we today are going to tell 11 million people we are going to kill you, you tell me not 10 will stand up and say no. I won't stand for this. And then he goes on saying, how do you convince 11 million people to get out of their homes where they are sort of safe in a time of war, to walk towards trains, get loaded in trains, and be shipped off? Just for a moment, ask yourself, how do you really get this done? He, he made a short comment saying that the one guy that was actually in charge of this, that his nickname was the master. The day he announced to the Jews in the camps that they have to be shipped off to a better place because the Russians is invading Germany, um, he said, I think, um, maybe I misread or something, but only like two or three of his guards had weapons. The rest were just there in uniforms and they followed them. They followed them. <laughs> and then he once again asked the question, how do you get 11 million people <laughs> to follow you? And the fantastic thing is you turn around and then he gives you the answer. Actually, one of those books that gives you an answer. You know, it doesn't just, I'm leaving you with the question. Go do with it whatever you want. He says you lie to them. You tell them the Russians are here, we have to move to a better place. Let's go. Who's not going to go? You promise them something they need and they want, 
and they will follow you. And then he, it's also politically, how can I say, written, but uh, towards, I think, America's uh, democracy and whatsoever. But just for a moment, how many times maybe have you lied or have you felt lied to? You've expected something and then somebody tells you that sort of a truth, which you believe is a truth, and then you get there and it's a lie. How many times have you been like tricked with a lie? So I'm going to read the text first before we continue on with the story, which fascinates me. But we're in John 10 from verse 22. If you have your Bibles here, you're more than welcome to follow. Otherwise, just listen. But before I start reading... John is one of the Gospels which has a total different view of telling Jesus' story. It doesn't start off with Jesus being born in Nazareth. It starts off with Jesus turning water into wine. And the beautiful thing about the John Gospel is it is not so much focused on, how can I say, Jesus' life as per se, how he grew up and where and who his mom was, but more on what he has done. So I've actually said that John marks seven wonders of Jesus, where the first one would be turning water in wine. So John is a gospel written to, for people who really need to know and to read and to see that Jesus is who he says he is. Not just telling you that, but actually reminding you of the miracles Jesus has done in his time. So Jesus is in a conversation here with, um, with Jews in the, in the temple, uh, which is a, a place he also visited and went to. And um, I'm going to read for us first, then we'll talk about it more. From verse 22. Then came the festival of dedication as Jer- at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was in the temple courts walking in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews who were there gathered around him saying, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you do not believe. The works I do in my Father's name testifies about me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. And I and the Father is one. Now, the big promise of this time, maybe you've heard it before, but there's actually going to come a Messiah with a massive political agenda to free the Jews. And this is what they were waiting for. That person will come and free them. And today, if we have to just think for a moment, how do we expect someone to be freed or if the right English word is to be liberated? It is through violence. We do not like you So we will burn your house. You have done this to me, so I will do it 
to you. Because it has become our act of freedom. I'm allowed to do to you what you have done to me. And in a way, we have created a, a, a viewpoint of freedom that it has to be taken. And in your own life, maybe for a moment, just sit back and see where have you been in a situation where you needed to come out of or you needed to be free of and you had to, let's say, take a little bit of action. You know? Just for a moment, if you've experienced that in your life before, think through it. Because the Jews here were sitting and actually telling Jesus, but when are you going to free us from, most probably Rome, the Greeks? The system. We are on the bottom of the bottom of the food chain here. You need to free us so that we can be on top again. That is what they are waiting for. A Messiah to switch around the food chain and they will be in control again and everything will be as they want it. Not as everybody wants it. So we have to understand why they are asking Jesus these questions. And actually how ironic it is, reading this in a, the book of John, we, John is showing us miracles of what Jesus has done to show to people how he cares, healing. We know the stories of Lazarus. We know the people he was raised from the dead, walking on water. Things that I have seen, things that I have heard, and which they have asked before. And once again they ask him, but tell us plainly, are you the Messiah? Now, for a moment there, if we were at a wedding, we had a conversation now, Theo's uh, uh, sister got married this weekend. Just imagine the, the wine is up and somebody just turns up and make much more wine out of the Valpristing still water. Okay, you there's no wine. You know, that would put a sense of belief in me of who this person is. Now, if that is not enough, we have to ask ourselves, what do they mean with being blind? And for me, that is the blind spot of our lives, of our democracy, of our seeing towards politics and life. We follow the biggest or the best, the most smoothest lie that suits our lives. When I make my mark, it's for my best benefit. And most of the time, when we look all around the world, we get a lot of people making a lot of promises. Just for example, more jobs, better economy, uh, health systems, free education. Uh, the, how can I say? The promises continues. They just grow. And the guy or the person or girl or whatever we vote for is the one that makes them the best to include most of the people that has the same viewpoint as this person. But now, for a moment, yeah, let's just think. How many have made the promise and how many has come through with the promise? And, and, and we feel that towards our own skin. Because in a way, in a democracy way, we pay tax. So you are using my money for what? We have this attitude, you know? So then we try and grab the freedom back through the finances. You know, well, 
if you don't have to pay money, I'm not going to pay money. But we still do, because otherwise we go to jail, you know. So how free are we then, actually? And when we read this book, it's just we have to start asking ourselves, how are we viewing freedom? Have we turned ourselves blind to some realities and just continue on for at least we are safe now? And we call that freedom. Jesus is walking in a temple, speaking to Jews, people who know the Torah, the law, everything off by heart, by mind, they've learned it. And yet, they know the truth and the reality of the Messiah coming, but they have missed him. Jesus tells, we read here that John tells us that you are not my sheep. You cannot see who I am. Because, most probably because you have been blinded by your own agenda. And now coming back to this book where he asks the question, how do you get 11 million people to believe you and then to, we all know what happened to them, and then we get the answer, we say, we, well, you lied to them. We have to ask ourselves once again, what is the truth? Because maybe the Jews were searching for truth which they were blind for, couldn't see. We today here are sitting here and we have to ask ourselves, what is the truth? Have we become blind to it or can't we just make a new one or whatsoever? The reality is that this is a, a crazy example. Let's say I kill someone. Ek skiet vir Arnu. Arnu, I don't like Arnu. Bang. Yes, freedom for me. Because I've got the misery out of my life. Is that freedom in a way? Not at all. But now I go to Arnu's family and I say, I'm sorry man. Please forgive me. Uh, nobody knew it, but it was me that killed him. And I'm coming clean now because the truth will set me free. And usually the thing we expect then is a quick fix to say, well, finally we know. Don't worry, brother. We forgive you. Ne? How many times have you maybe hurt your mom or your dad when you were young or you've hurt a, hurt a loved one and then you quickly like, sorry, sorry, sorry. Just forgive me. I'm sorry, I will never do it again. But it's like the 50th time you've done it. And then actually, actually every time what you expect as the one that, saying sorry is that they will forgive and just continue. And then one day they don't. And, and here comes the reality for me when it comes to the truth. Arnu's family most probably is not going to forgive me. It's a lot nice, man. Well, okay. But let's be honest. Yeah, Ma said to me, I can't even Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's saying his mom will not forgive me. I'm sure no one's mom will forgive easily. But the, the reality is that, but I have spoken the truth now. Why doesn't she forgive me? And then this guy wrote that we have forgotten that we have tried to make the truth a quick fix. But I'm sorry, please forgive me. Can we continue on with life? And that is not how the truth works. Because Jesus said, I am the truth 
I was probably saying it in the wrong order, the way and the light. And which we sometimes miss is the way. It's like we forgot that when you maybe speak the truth, the reaction towards those truths can be totally different to what you have expected. Yet, yes, you have put it in light and you have been set free, but something new has started, not a quick fix, but a way of life. It has set you on a new path. So this is quite, you have to focus here for a moment. Do you get what I'm saying when you speak the truth? It's not a, a knoppy which you press. Everybody knows it. I'm fine. Thank you. Let's go on. But everybody knows now maybe everything is going to change. When Jesus gave the Jews an opportunity to, t- to, show, to show them, listen, I am the Messiah. Follow me. Most probably there were a crowd of people screaming it or not or telling them what Jesus have done and that he definitely is the Messiah. And yet they have not believed him when he is standing in front of them telling him, but I've told you. And he don't believe. They have not followed the way. Truth is not always as easy as we thought. But it can start something new. You can maybe lose a friend or a family member, when the first day you are really honest with them, because they may be going to struggle to forgive you. But you have started. Now, for a moment here, in our country, as we are sitting here, just for a moment, we can have one day where everybody can speak the truth. It will never happen, because we will be too scared once to say it, and maybe secondly, to hear it. We, we have become afraid of being honest with one another. And now, just to, to capture all of this, this story and so on, when Jesus says, you are not my sheep, my sheep will, will follow me, as, as he's talking about us. He's talking about those who believe in him that they have chosen a way of truth, even though they are maybe broken or injured, but they have chosen a new way. They have chosen a way where Jane showed me a lot of pictures which she actually found on, uh, on social media. Um, this, it's like 40-odd pictures of things happening in the world. The, this guy got a heart attack while cutting his grass, and the firemen pulled up saved his life, most probably got him in an ambulance and sent him off to hospital and they finished cutting his grass. I saw a picture of a fireman washing dishes and I was like, what is this guy doing? Well, um, uh, the person in the house also got a heart attack or cut themselves and they called in the fire brigade and the, the mom was, it was a single mom and she had to go to the hospital so they stayed with the kids washed the dishes and made sure they got in bed there's this one where the dog is too old to walk but his owner is like 78 pushing his dog in a wheelchair there's endless stories of, of hope of truth being lived out in this world And it's given to us. When we follow Jesus, that is the truth we will live out. 
and some people are going to see you walking an old lady across the street, helping a rich man up, which maybe stumbled over his shoes, <laughs> because they are too long. <laughs> but you will not discriminate. You will pick up. You will live a way of truth, caring for all, loving for all. And we will make a choice to stop believing the lies and turning a blind eye towards them. So let's say a great example will be not toy-toying down the street for a better South Africa, but asking the leader that made the promise to come forward and show us. Giving them an opportunity not helping them to build bigger fences to keep us out. <laughs> so here it is, the training naked for the week. Walk the truth. Just don't think it. I should have helped him. I should have said hello. I should have cared more. I should have bought someone something. Stop thinking it and start doing it. I'm going to pray for us. Jesus, we, we thank you for showing us the way of caring, of being hope, of living a life of truth. I pray, Lord, that we will not be part of the 11 million walking towards our own death, but that we will be those giving the one a chance that makes a promise, and in those hopes we will also live out the way you have showed us to live, to care, to love, to protect, and to be honest. In a season of Easter, we are sitting here together, Lord, forgiven, <coughs> loved by the one and only living Lord. We praise your name.